0: This is SciByte, episode 69, for October 30th, 2012. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sci-By, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly science podcast. Fresh every Wednesday morning over at JupiterBroadcasting.com and live Tuesday nights at 7:30 p.m. Pacific, except for next week. My name is Chris, and joining us every week is our host, Heather. Hey there, Heather. Hey there, Chris. Hey, Heather, happy science to you. Happy science. So, what are we talking about today?
1: Today, we're going to take a look at strange quasars, fighting breast cancer, peekaboo, the Mayan calendar, updates on stories, spacecraft, and curiosity, as always, take a peek back into history and up in the sky this week.
0: Sounds absolutely fantastic. Let's kick it off with the news. All right, now we must have a great story after an officially sounding jingle like that, right?
1: Yes. So, but a tiny bit of science needed before this. Okay. So we're talking right. about quasars. Okay. And... There might be a few people who aren't completely knowledgeable about quasars. I had to brush up too. So quasars are short for quasi-stellar objects. They're the cores of galaxies where things are pouring into a massive black hole. But it's so big and so much is falling into it that not everything can actually make its way in. So you have these huge amounts of energy that just can't fit in because there's so much trying to get into the same spot. So these are like huge jets beaming from the inside of a galaxy. They could be hundreds of thousands of times um, larger. They can be uh, so much bigger. They're emitting like a thousand times the energy of the entire Milky Way. So these are really very energetic, very bright items. So, and now bringing it back to our story, they're pretty much one of the things that astronomers can see the distant universe with. Because they're so bright, they can spot one of these mm-hmm. and then go, oh, there must be something else there. And then they can stop and look for the galaxy and take it from there. <laughs> However, recently they saw a quasar, but it's very distant, but there was no galaxy there. Oh. So, they're the centers of galaxies, except for this one didn't have a galaxy with it.
0: So, that's something, again, that we've spot far, far away that's not matching our model.
1: Yeah. Now, there could be a couple of things going on. It's Something's got to be feeding it, or
0: mm-hmm.
1: it would be starving and it would go out. Yeah. So, it could be feeding on a handful of stars every year in order to keep you know, its bulk. I mean, it's about 3 billion solar masses. It's about 3 billion times the amount of the sun. That's how massive it is. That's how much it is going. So... I mean it's gotten there in about a few million years or so, so it's it's gotta eats for so um at a certain pace to get there hmm. but because we don't see that galaxy and because even with infrared, we're only seeing little bits of something that might be there,
0: like leftovers
1: no, like just barely like a ghost image of oh. something you like. There, it looks like there might be something there. So one of the thoughts is that it could be a galaxy that is so clogged up with dust that absolutely no starlight can get out of it. Huh. That only the quasar, being as bright as it is, and shooting out uh, as far as it does, could make it out. That's the only light that could make it out of this galaxy.
2: Mm.
1: Now, it also gets kind of twisted because... Our models say that there shouldn't be a galaxy with that much dust that early in the universe. Hmm. Because in order to make dust, you have to have stars and they have to explode and, you know, going through this process of getting heavier mass. So to make dust. But if the universe is very young, then not enough stars have aged to make that dust. So it's kind of this. Okay, so it's this old. It has to be that dusty. However, it shouldn't be that dusty. Hmm. So now they're thinking, okay, well, maybe it was living the high life and going very fast, and all the stars, you know, were very fast paced in their life. And so that created the amount of dust that could be there. Mm. You know, but it's kind of one of those things where just when you think the model is somewhat in the range of, okay, I'm pretty sure that the next week won't surprise us. Nope. It surprises us.
2: <laughs> so,
1: so yes. Yeah, so and now we're in order to make it fit the model. We ha- it has to have these short lived massive stars that would, you know, puff off all their mass. So that would include, um, increase the dust in the galaxy. So that they would block the light. So
0: what, what's the next step now? What, how do they get more information? it's so far away, what can they do?
1: Well, train as many of instruments that you can, infrared, infrared, near-infrared, on it that you can. Um, Wait till the equipment gets more high resolution or till you can get time on a larger instrument that's there now. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, so if I see it, so if you see it on a, you know, a university telescope and you're like, okay, now let's call up you know, a bigger telescope, see what we see. And then you kind of work your way up Mm -hmm. until you get the the time on the largest telescope you can get or the largest, you know, uh, whatever dish there is. Maybe can you get it to Hubble or anything of that nature? What would give you the best view for the specific range of light that you would need?
0: And I wonder, too, if this might not end up being one of those there could be some data within the data that maybe now that they know there's something there they need to look a little better at maybe they can go back over Mm -hmm. previous you know yeah data
1: yeah go back and say well is there anything else that was taking a picture of something nearby and then Mm -hmm. so we'll see if if any more information pops up and they are a little less confused in the
0: near future, we'll see. That's one crazy quay, quay, quasar, right? Quasar is the quasar, qu- quasar, not quasar. No. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, any other thoughts on that one?
1: No. Just see where it goes.
0: Yeah. Let's well, stay tuned. All right, Heather. Well, then let's take a little moment right here to talk about a little something special, uh, especially with the holiday season coming up. I, uh, I today on the way home, I just you can tell it's on my head because on the way home I came up with my dad's. Christmas book that I'm, I always get them like one book every year for Christmas, and I've decided which book it is, and uh, so that, I thought, you know, I should remind folks, uh, if you've decided to purchase something online for uh, the holidays or for yourself, uh, please consider using our affiliate links at the bottom of the Jupiter Broadcasting website, we have them down there for Amazon and for Netflix and for the Newegg and for the Think Geek and the Best Buy, and we have a Chrome extension and a Firefox extension, yeah, those bad mama boom, automatically takes your shopping session for you, and at other affiliates we don't even have down there, like Monoprice, some other countries and things like that. Uh, but maybe you want to get something for yourself. Heather actually has a couple of really great picks this week and uh, some some um, really compelling stuff here, Heather. Uh, one of them also might be a great like accompanying gift, but I'll get to that. Your first one is the International Space Station Owner's Workshop Manual.
1: Yes. If you're oh, interested cool. in the, the, the nitty-gritty of what's going on and kind of how it got built up and put together, and this wasn't just random picks either. They actually fit into the show. So uh, stay tuned later for more. But yeah, it looks really cool. You know, you see those ones about you know the Star Trek, you know ships and stuff. But this is for the space station.
2: The
0: real, a real, yeah. You do see. Them, I have them for one of the starships, but or for yes. a few of the starships. But that's the real deal right there. So yeah, that's very cool. And then the other pick is Space Station IMAX, which is available yes. in Blu-ray. And also available in Blu-ray 3D, which I would think that if you just got yourself a 3D TV, this would be a treat. Yeah. That would be really cool. All right, so this will fit in with the show later today too, as well. Yes, it will. Well, stay tuned for that. So check those out. We'll have links to those in the show notes. And when you grab those, it supports the network. And that, oh, gosh, i got to imagine taking that IMAX, putting it down on Blu-ray, that has got to look really, really great. So, uh, thank you to everybody who supports the network by using our affiliate links or grabbing those links right out of the show notes. But with that done, that means it's time for the news bite. All right, Heather, what is the first story in the news bite?
2: The,
1: the first story is suppressing tumors and metastasis in breast cancer. Oh. So, this one caught my eye. I have family and uh, co-workers, families that have dealt with this. So this is a specific protein that is necessary for lactation actually that inhibits the critical cellular transition that takes, that starts breast cancer and the metastasis of it. So they've actually had a report that it's like a suppressor. So they find it in so maybe you can take the the low levels of it to diagnose it, the early stages, to... And they've actually seen it in both animal and human, So it works kind of both ways here. So, oh, so normally, this factor, it controls the genes that allow for milk production. But when those levels are low or absent, those cells actually kind of turn more like stem cells, which then morph into... Um, mole I know I crashed that, uh, cells. So those cells can actually change shape and appearance and then migrate elsewhere through the body and that's sort of how the cancer spreads. Wow. So what they're able to do is take this protein and it's actually suppressing that transition into those cells. So you can take, so can you regulate this? Can you use this to You know, as a treatment option, can you use it also as a early detector so you can't um, detect it early, see how when it's starting to turn into mastastasize again. So you're like, oh, now we need to really pay attention to what's going on. Can you actually use this or a drug that's based off this to, you know, suppress it or, you know, try to create something that might be able to treat it? So now they're kind of going through and they're like, okay. This is just one little part of molecule. Let's see how it works with everything else. And this is the typical, you know, you get into these where it's like, okay, something works. Now let's figure what out of this, which parts work and do they have to work together or... Hmm. So...
0: It's definitely, it's definitely an awesome first step.
1: Yeah. And they've actually, you know, it was kind of data in the data almost where they went back and they saw, okay, well, this... The, the levels of this were extremely low when the breast cancer cells were you know ex- multiplying very quickly or uh, chances in morbidity or anything like that. So they kind of they went back and they saw that past studies had seen this too so kind of working forward to see what they can get out of this and hopefully make some really good ste- uh, steps in this.
0: yeah yeah awesome. And uh, you have uh, you have a story that uh, I showed up on the screen for a little bit, but if people want to check it out, he- Heather has that link to uh, Medical Express. That's with an X.com, and we to link to that in the show notes. Yes. Should we talk about the science of peekaboo? Yes, let's. Okay, tell me the science of that.
1: <laughs> okay, so kids. I'm familiar with this th-
0: technique, by the way.
1: Yes, they cover their eyes, and they are invisible. That is what they see.
0: That's, that's the, the law.
1: Yeah, that is the law. And they actually nearly all kids come to the same conclusion that covering your eyes makes you invisible that no one can tell you there. <laughs> so the researchers at University of Cambridge actually did some tests to figure out where this comes from. So first they took kids and they put little eye masks on them and they said, okay, can we see you? And they're like, nope. They, then they took the masks and put it on one adult and they're like, okay, can can Joe see Susie? Nope. Susie has the eye mask on. She's she's not there. <laughs> And so they started doing this all together. So, okay, so adult can't see kids, adult can't see each other. Then they had another set of kids who they put little goggles on and they did um, one-way glass. One set was totally blacked out and the other set was, you know, one-way mirror. Now, of the kids who actually got the concept of a one-way mirror that you could see out and they can't see in, they all thought that it was just the same as blacked out goggles, so they couldn't be seen. It's like, I can see you. You can't see me. I'm invisible. (laughs) And so the whole idea is, okay, so where is this coming from? It kind of, getting as much information as you can out of a three or four year old, they kind of got the idea that they realized that their bodies are still there. That they didn't become ghosts, but the self was hidden. So it was like, if the eyes weren't in contact, then you weren't there. Of course, your your body's still there, but you weren't there yourself.
0: Wow. That's they, complex.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of strange that they thought, like, you know, the... You
0: yeah, know, I would the, have thought that the kid just thought, well, because I can't see you, you can't see me. And it just wouldn't have gone further than that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's what they originally thought. But I found it interesting that when, you know, even when one adult had you know uh, covered their eyes that another adult couldn't see them and they actually did this with averting eyes too so the, the researchers looked straight at a kid while they were looking away and then the kid was looking at them while they were looking away and in both cases they kind of figured out that they weren't being seen I kind but like of, if our eyes don't meet yeah you, we can't you can't see me
0: that like, kind of me really blows me away because it's um yeah, it's a, that's that's not, I mean, that's just not what I would ever kind of observed. But I, I guess I can kind of see the logic to it. it like uh, Mackenzie says in the chat room, he says, wow, that's a deep sense of soul versus body for a three-year-old.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I kind of agree
0: with that sentiment. It really is.
1: Yeah, but it also makes sense that like when you're yelling at a kid, they kind of look away. It's like, whoop, I'm gone. I'm not here.
0: Yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. You look at me in the eyes when I'm talking to
1: you. That's so why they really don't want it because then they're there. <laughs>
0: You're like no. Huh. Wow. Well, now, now when uh, my so now when my kid is is doing playing peekaboo, I realize he's actually having some sort of zen experience of yeah. some sort. Yeah, self realization. Wow.
1: So I found it a very interesting study. However much you believe or however much you like get that feeling, I actually kind of believe it a lot. But I could it's see very, it. Yeah, I could see it. It's very interesting story that there's the science behind peekaboo.
0: Yeah, wow. You know what? It turns out there's a science behind a lot of things. That's one of the things you keep proving right here on this show. And with that said, I believe it's time for the Two-Bite News. The Two-Bite The Two-Bite News. Wow. I got I got to tell you, I was all over this office when I did that. I, yeah,
1: I, I kind of felt that.
0: Yeah, I burned some calories. All right, well, what is our first story in the Two Byte News?
1: All right, there is... Okay, so it's not great for a audio show, okay. but there is a link in the show notes to this Tomilky Way image hmm. that is nine gigapixels. <laughs> this is huge. I mean, if the resolution was just like there was on a typical book, it would be like 29 and a half feet by 23 feet. That's how big it would be. This has like 10 times more stars than any previous study like this.
0: 84, they have Zoomable view of more than 84 million stars.
1: Yes. So there's a lot of data in it. You can actually see um, the formation, the evolution of our galaxy, uh, spiral galaxies in general. So it's just this huge data set. That is also really awesome and zoomable and pretty, but
0: yeah, they have a gigapan of it, which is killer. So if you want, you can go in there and kind of like go Google maps on the, on the Milky Way.
1: Yes. <laughs> it was, you Welcome know, it, it's future. a visual one, but it was just so awesome. I had to include it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Folks, you got to go check that out. They have, like Heather said, they have, she has links to it in the show notes. so You can go get that. All right. Well, Wow. So, uh, you know, you know how you're living in the future. It's like, uh-huh. cause it's, that's, that's the future right there. And this yeah. next story, I don't know, Heather, I'm worried you're going to tell me that the Mayans had it right or something and scare me.
1: No, we've okay. talked about this before. The Mayan calendar does not prove the end of the world. There's right. calendars that prove past that. Right. In fact, the Mayan people are being annoyed by this.
0: Okay. Really? Okay. Good. See, I yeah. was worried this might go in a different direction. <laughs>
1: No, 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 no. So the cultural ministry of Guatemala, you know, they're having this big event and, you know, 90,000 people are expected to attend and, you know, all sorts of tour groups, doomsday-themed getaways. And the mind leader is really trying to get them to, like, rethink all this doomsday celebration. He's oh, like, yeah. actually, this is whole—the whole idea for them, in actuality, is a, a turnover. So it's a renewing of the calendar, something— Almost like the end of the year. You know, it's a brand new year. Let's make all our resolutions. So he said, the fact that you're making it doomsday, kind of, it's it's (laughs) anti-celebration. It's disrespectful. So he was like, instead of that, why don't you, like, go to the five sacred cities and mark the event in, like, in, like, our cultural way instead of trying to get everyone to come here because you want them to celebrate the end of the world as long as they pay first.
0: I, I guess I can see his point. So they're using it as kind of like a tourism lure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so like, so You're the real a people, name! yeah. So the people of the, the cultural, you know, that are deep in it, they're like, um, this isn't of the world. Would you please stop selling our culture off as end of the world and like actually celebrate it in the way that he feels comfortable.
0: Well, it is kind of funny, though, I got to say. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I was... At this point, you just got to embrace it because, how... oh, I guess, you know what? You know what? He ought, to hold a, he ought to hold a press conference on December 22nd, 2012, and be like, okay, now can we just all move on? Because really, this yeah. should only be the last year that he has to put up with it.
1: Yeah, theoretically. That's... Unless they decide, oh, wait, we didn't count the calendar right. It's actually... <laughs>
0: you know that's going to happen, right?
1: Of course it's going to happen. <laughs> on twenty second, we'll we'll try. We're like, all right, can we move on? At least for a little while until you decide to recalculate the calendar. I
0: can't wait to hear that.
1: <laughs> oh man!
0: All right, so uh, we have some gamma rays from space, don't we?
1: We do. So, they're actually the Fermi Gamma Ray Space Telescope and uh, NASA's. They're said that they're going to make some big announcement on Thursday. They won't mm. say what it is, except that we'll discuss new measurements about. To investigate ancient starlight, so so we'll see. We'll
0: see. We might know, so, say, next Thursday.
1: Yes, next Thursday we will know, okay. or keep an eye out on Twitter, or you might be able to find something else out.
0: Right, and just a PSA: We'll be live next Thursday, not next Tuesday at seven thirty. Yes, we're we're shifting with Unfilter to accommodate the election, because yes. you know we prefer that we prefer to keep the elections and the politics out of the science as much as possible for you folks. Yes. All right, Heather. Well, uh, I have a little light flashing on my dashboard here that says, oh, spacecraft. <laughs> That's what that button says, spacecraft yeah. update. All right, what do we got?
1: All right, the shifting of the peoples. We've got an increase in the population of these space stations oh. with a new, with three new astronauts, one uh, Kevin Ford of NASA, uh, Oleg Novitsky of Russia, and Evgeny Tariklin tar- 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 of Russia also. I'll take your uh, word for so, it. Yeah, um, so they're gonna stay there till March. So right now we've actually got six people on the space station. Oh. They didn't come alone. They came with thirty-two fish. So they're gonna be placed in the aquatic habitat up there to see how they adapt, how fish adapt to weightlessness. Wow,
0: well, I'd love to see pictures of the space station's fish tank.
1: Yeah, they're probably around somewhere. <laughs> probably. So we've also got uh, the Dragon spacecraft. They delivered all that um, all the material. They actually. Uh, landed on Sunday so they brought back 2,000 pounds of spacecraft equipment and hardware and everything else they've also got the Russian Progress spacecraft is going to be arriving on Wednesday October 31st so they're actually going to arrive and there's going to be food, equipment and they've actually said they're going to include some Halloween treats
0: oh festive a
1: little bit of little festivity for the astronauts mix it up
0: keep them keep their spirits up
1: yeah keep their spirits up keep them bouncing around the space station (laughs) Sugar high in space.
0: <laughs> Keep them floating off the walls. Yeah,
1: <laughs> another whole new uh, that is a whole new uh, depth to bouncing off the walls. It really
0: is. They really can do it. Like that is the place to have a sugar high if you're gonna have one.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I see we have some general updates here too, don't we?
1: Yes. Last week we were talking about uh, the San Francisco meteor actually came through and they saw this big fireball and it's like, okay, yeah. will we find anything? So. First of all, somebody came up and they went, you know what, I think I heard something on my roof. And sure enough, they go up onto the roof. She and the neighbors find a ding on the roof. So they come in and they look at it and they're like, you know what, that, yeah, it's not a rock. It's, it's, it doesn't look like it's heat from re-entry. It's got Aww. these layers. It's not, a, it's not something. And then the next day, about two blocks away, somebody else pops up with one of the same nature. As soon as they go, Okay, can we see that again, please?
2: Hmm. They came
1: back and said, oh, wait, no, that is a meteor. This other guy also has a meteor. So it's like two and a half miles away. So they cut it in half. The guy found it. He cut it in half and actually saw, yes, this is a meteor. So then they went back to hers, and both of them are meteorites now. So if you're in the and sonoma counties west northwest of San Pablo Bay area, there's uh, maps in the show notes. Go check them out. See if you're in the line of pack sight for that. <laughs> check your backyard.
0: Yeah, you might have gotten some. You know yeah. what? You know what strikes me about that story more than anything is that how similar the meteorite rock looked to Earth rock, even to trained eyes. Which really just kind of drives it home that while there's they are foreign objects out there, we're all just kind of being made from the same stuff. It's pretty crazy. Um, and it's interesting that they didn't even really realize it wasn't an earth. It, 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 they thought it was an earth rock. Like, it just yeah, it looks just like your average rock. Sorry, someone just threw it through your roof kind of thing. I find that fascinating.
1: Well, it didn't even go through the roof. It just kind of dinged it, so it bounced off it. But a lot of oh. times it is. You're, if you're not looking for zebras, you're looking for horses. So you're like, okay, this doesn't, this doesn't match up. And then it comes out, no, wait, this is a very rare type. You just zoom, just wouldn't be the norm. So right. they go back. It was like, oh, wait, no, actually... The, the this, you know, weird layering that looks like weathering instead of burning through the atmosphere. So it's all these things combined together that, you know, assume that, okay, yeah, it's probably a horse. And then come back. No, wait, it's a zebra.
0: There you it
1: go. It is a colorful zebra. Definitely a it's zebra. It's really weird.
0: <laughs> it's a rainbow zebra. All yeah. right. Well, should we uh, blast off to Mars and a curiosity update?
1: Let's go. And
2: lift off of the Atlas V with curiosity. Touchdown confirmed. Woo! Yeah! Ah! yeah! Yeah.
0: Oh, I got a little carried away there. All okay. Right. Well, I, so what's the what's the old rover up to?
1: All right. So the mast cam was used to view some soil samples on the observation tray. So and we've t- been talking about it's been scooping up samples and put some on the observation trace. So it turns around and looks at it. You know, it's just a flat disc of various colors. So they can look at it. They can kind of see um, how what the size distribution is. You can actually see in the scoop, it shakes it a little bit. If you watch that, you can get a really good idea of the exact uh, layout of all the soil. So you can get to say, say these are, v- are various sizes. Hmm. So then before you even take it to the various instruments, you can kind of get an idea. It's like, okay, this one is heavily of larger size uh, particles. Oh, this one's no very small size. So they had one little portion of it, that of the fourth scoop that was delivered to the chem men.
2: Hmm.
1: So they're being able to analyze that. You got the chem cam, which is the laser. You've got to shoot lasers. Um, It did a depth profile, actually. It shot 600 times at a single location, so it got like a millimeter in, which is four hundredths or thousandths of an inch. Mm. So it didn't go in very far, but the whole idea is keep hitting the laser on the same spot and take the spectrographic analysis and take it over time, so you can kind of see is the interior of the rock changing. So here's the weathered part outside, now, if you go in just a little bit, is it different? You can kind of get a better idea of. Oh no, these rocks are actually of this nature in the interior, and they kind of change on the exterior of the rock.
0: The uh, the uh, they show in the uh, in the little video they put out. They show a mm-hmm. video of that laser drilling into uh, uh, like a little sample metal that they have here, and it doesn't it, it mm-hmm. really it really just burns a hole in the side of rock, and it. Yeah. It gives you an appreciation of the capabilities of this thing.
1: Yeah. They actually, I believe, uh, recently they also did it to the soil. They kind of lasered the soil. And you can kind of see a little, almost an impact crater. It's like, oh, there's soil, and then there's a little dark hole where they lasered it. So, you know, it helps them get a better idea of compositions and stuff. Then you also have the sample analysis. This is, they took some more for, uh scoop from that fourth scoop they used it to you know run around in the all the internal surfaces Mm. so then they brought it over to deliver to all the various pieces and one of the ones they did it was the radiation assessment detector this is one where they just look at the general atmosphere so they say okay what's the weather like today it's a weather vane almost for the the rover they kind of got an idea about the weather and what the radiation levels were. But in general right now they're in this rock nest area. This is where you know they're sitting now. So they did all the the lasers on the rocks. They they the, so they can actually see that one of them nearby was actually made of two different types of materials. Hmm. So they saw this rock and it was they had this little darker bit to it and it's actually making little arches, almost. So, like, you'll see in rock formations. So, like, so it looks like there's a harder material and then the softer material just kind of weathered away underneath it. But they couldn't really tell, and it was about eight feet away. So, they tried their best to laser it. So, they actually shot it nine different times so they could hopefully get, get an idea of both pieces. And they actually shot, were able to take analysis of the two separate materials. So, you had so it hit both of them. They're able to see that there was a significant compositional difference. So between that and some of the images that they took, they now have kind of a three-dimensional model of this, of the whole rock that they're able to see. So they can see this model. They can see the different compositions of it. So it's all coming together. So they're being able to take some of the soil, dump it into the X- um, x-ray diffractor. So shoot x-rays through it, see how that reacts. So you can get a better idea of the exact... You know, composition of the soil, how the crystals are. So, you're seeing, you're using the laser to get the chemical composition. So, it's this is kind of its first stop along the way where they really stop and do all the science they can. They've kind of got, um, they borrowed the mask cam also to kind of look off into the distance mm. to where they're heading to. So, occasionally they'll do that. They're like, all right, let me, let's get a better picture of over there. So, they kind of start thinking about where their next spot is going to be when they actually stop start moving from this location.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gosh, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is why you land a robot with a laser on Mars. That's, <laughs> that's, that's why it has a laser right
1: there. That's why it has a laser, so we can do more analysis, we can see what those rocks are made of.
0: I approve. All right, Heather, jump in the time machine. It's time we look back. Here we go. Okay. Oh. 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 Okay, okay. Okay. All right.
1: It's okay. Huh. Boy. Didn't. Jeez. Short trip this time. Yeah.
0: Wow, that was short. I, we, yeah. Barely any time in the time machine. So this one takes us to November 2nd, the year 2000, just a mere 12 years ago.
1: That's right. An American astronaut and two Russian cosmonauts became the first permanent residents of the International Space Station. Aha. So we just recently had some more crew arrive, and that was the first crew 12 years ago. They did a four-month mission after a Soyuz spacecraft linked up with it. It was much smaller. You know, they've built it over the years. You can see, you know, in the the movie or the book, you know, that we talked about earlier, how you know, it built over time. They added yeah. various modules and the. Yeah.
0: That was only in two thousand, Heather.
1: Yeah, that was the first crew. It it seems was, like
0: it was not that long ago.
1: Yeah, I know. You're like, wait, no, huh?
0: Wow, twelve years ago. So, yeah, boy, you know, I completely forgot how they assembled that thing, kind of compartment at a time, and different nations did different parts. Like, there's a Canada module up there, and there's yep. yeah,
1: so all the different scientific experiments. So they have one, you know, one that's has a board outside to space, so you can put different materials on there and see how they react to space and how they react to the micrometeorites and all these type of things hitting it, and you know, the sun's light directly, also directly hitting it. And you know, we've seen the solar panels how they've kind of grown. They started off with you know certain ones, and then the space station got big enough where it needed more power, so they had to upgrade that. Mm. So there's a lot of different things that have been going on with it as it has grown and gone on with that nature. So And totally random space station information. If you've ever seen the picture of it, you'll see you know the big solar panels, mm-hmm. and then these white um almost ribbon strips coming away that's that's folded yeah and those are actually irradiators. they're used to dissipate some of the heat that gets built up in the solar
0: panels ah uh, they're kind of like so, uh, heat sinks in a sense
1: yeah they're space station heat sinks for the <laughs> almost yes <laughs> Love because, it. The, because the because solar panels do build up heat so that 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 heat sinks them into
0: space I wonder how much more efficient the solar panels are up in space than they are down here and they must be would, they must be considerably more efficient because the the uh, atmosphere isn't filtering out some of the sunlight right I don't know I don't know True. perhaps that could be a question for future science because now I must refactor the science computer to look up into the sky
1: that's right this week Wednesday October the 31st we've got Halloween should the weather be cooperative in your area hmm the moon is rising, and it's nearly a full moon. What you'll see above the moon is, you might be able to see a little smudge of stars. That's the Pleiades star cluster. And then once the moon rises higher, actually, you'll be able to see Jupiter to the lower left of it.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yep. And then Thursday, November the 1st, a couple hours after sunset, you'll see Jupiter above the moon this time. And then as we move on to Friday, when the moon is pretty high up in the sky, you'll actually see the constellation Orion. That's one of the easier constellations to see because of the three belt stars. So you have three stars all in a row. And, well, to the, to the constellation, they're tilted like it's a, you know, a, a belt hanging off. And then you'll see uh, a large uh, four stars in a re- uh, rectangle shape around it. So it's like the two shoulders, the belt and the two legs.
0: Hmm. There you go. So, hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, a full moon for Halloween is going to be cool, right? It's big. It's a big moon. Is it not full, though? But it's Yeah, like it's a, not,
1: not exactly full, but it's yeah. pretty close.
0: Yeah, it's good enough. Good enough for a spooky Halloween. That'll be great. Yep. Got the kids' Halloween costumes ready. I got my Halloween costume. We're going to do a Halloween edition of the Faux Show tomorrow, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably, you know, I mean, I'm not usually big on Halloween, but I guess I'm going big this year because the kids are excited. There you yeah. go. All right. Well, just a little reminder that uh, uh, this uh, this cybite is generally live on Tuesdays, but we're going to move it to Thursday next week to uh, make room for the election. So join us uh, Thursday at uh, 7.30 p.m. Pacific over at jblive.tv or jblive.info for the audio. And uh, thank you to the live chat room for joining us this week. You guys are awesome. Yeah. And Heather, thank you for the great show. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week's episode of SciBite. We'll see you right back here next week.